Hi everyone, I'm Laura Langhoff Art. I'm back from the holidays and this is episode 9 of To Pause to Learn Effective Teaching in the Church. This podcast is for those who want to talk about what it means to teach the faith effectively to people of all ages. We cover issues from teaching Sunday school to those little preschoolers, all the way up to those feisty teenagers and beyond to the adults. We'll talk about teaching confirmation and how important it is to develop a culture of participation in adult Bible study. If you think you're not a good teacher, you'll love this podcast. And if you think you're already a good teacher, you'll love this podcast because it'll make you even better. And we all know that good teachers are always looking to be better. As promised, today we are moving into the next stage of faith education, which is the knowledge stage. A quick reminder of the five stages of faith education is the first one is narrative. That's preschool through second grade. Knowledge is third through fifth grade, understanding, sixth through eighth grades, reason, ninth through twelfth grades, and wisdom is for the adults, which is a very broad age group. So welcome, and let's get started. The tip of the day is, last year they spent time thinking about how the world is bigger than they thought, and this year they want to know more about it. So let's jump in to question one, which is what is the knowledge stage? Once kids are through the narrative stage, where they've talked about a bunch of stories in the Bible, they enter the knowledge stage. They want to know more about the people and the places in the Bible stories. They see a bigger and more complex world, and they have questions about navigating the more complex places and the complicated problems that people seem to have. It's time to start talking more about what they can learn from the situations, the actions of the people, and of course, God and his role in their lives. They want to know who this God is and why Jesus had to die for them. They want to know more about sin, death, and the resurrection. In the knowledge stage, they just want to know more. It's the beginning of what I call Bible inquiry. Which leads us right into question two. Wait a minute, what is Bible inquiry? Well, Bible inquiry is a phrase that I'd like Sunday school teachers of kids in third grade through adulthood to start using. It may seem just like a change of a word from study to inquiry. Oh, it's going to Bible study or we're going to Bible inquiry. But the implications are very different. When we think of studying, we think of sitting quietly and reading, taking notes, going over notes, or committing information to memory. And it's not that that's not important, but it's perceived as a very passive activity, like somebody just opening your head and trying to shove a bunch of information in it. And when we think of inquiry, we think of questions. One of my goals is to turn Sunday school and Bible study into something that inspires curiosity and questions. Who is this God? Why did or why does he do what he does? So many things don't make sense. I want to know more. What's the big deal about sin? Why does somebody have to die because we make mistakes? That's a valid question. 
How did the Israelites live way back then? What in the Bible has to do with their culture and what applies to us and to our culture? People have so many questions. Bible inquiry starts with questions, continues with investigation, and ends with greater understanding. Instead of an adult telling kids what to believe, they discover for themselves who God is, what he says, why he says it, and of course, why they should believe it. Today, we're talking about third grade. So I've kind of gotten ahead of myself, but from here on out, we'll talk about Bible inquiry more each year up through the adults. Believe it or not, adults want to be inspired too. But now let's get back to the third graders. What is up with these third graders? Here's what you need to know if you're going to teach the faith to third graders. They are ready for adventure and are curious about people and how they live. They're full of ideas, which means they may take on a little bit too much and they'll choose to speed through it. So when they do take on too much, they'll probably rush, 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 and it may be sloppy. Because they've rushed through it, they may also complain that they're bored. And so this makes them a little bit impatient in the third grade. Third graders work and play well in groups and even better if the teacher assigns the groups. They don't do so well if they choose their own groups. They also generally have same gendered friends, but they're okay working with both genders in groups. It's not a real problem. You can have them tell stories to each other in smaller groups and you can give them three or four questions to talk about like what they like best or worst about this story. Which characters or which people in the story did they like best or worst? And what, why did they like them? Or uh, what didn't they understand? Just simple questions, but not too many, because this is not going to be a huge discussion group. They're in third grade. Third graders seek praise and approval from both friends and teachers. They're, they're starting to learn more about words, so they may exaggerate and tell private information to get some attention, and sometimes because it just slips out. Um, but they also tend to be a little bit selfish as they're more focused on themselves yet. They are also learning more about other people, and so their minds are shifting and are being better able to think about things from different perspectives, which I will talk about in a minute. They also are learning how to lose, and they may get frustrated when things don't work out the way they expect. Eight-year-olds also like to keep track of accomplishments. They like collecting and organizing and planning. You can see how their brain's growing as they do this. And they learn best through active, concrete accomplishments. It's a great idea to create a chart that can keep track of the Bible verses that they've learned throughout the year, the stories they've read or talked about, or new words learned, a word wall, which I'll talk about in a few moments too. I would also maybe try having parents in a couple of times a year to hear kids recite verses or do a play of one of their favorite Bible stories. They love that kind of thing. And now this is the best part, at least to me it is. Third graders are beginning to see and understand other people's perspectives or to think about how others see them. 
So um, that goes along with them being more self-conscious about how they are seen by others. And with that, they're seeing themselves in light of what they can do. Like, I wear glasses or I play soccer. They're starting to get a deeper sense of their own identity. Let them use this information to think about the people in the Bible. And they may have questions. How come nobody in the Bible wears glasses? Oh, that's an interesting question. Most likely because they didn't have glasses. And that means did people have to walk around and not be able to see very well? Well, yes, they did. Or maybe David versus Saul. You could ask them a question. What do you think Saul would say next? What do you think David should do next? Let them start thinking of these people in these stories as very interesting people who have decisions to make, just like them every day. Also, at this age, they start seeing books as resources or sources of information, which is very good. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the Bible. Beginning to understand others leads them to a growing sense of moral responsibility and fairness. They like to build a sense of unity in their class, especially. And it might be a fine idea and a good time to have them participate in some type of a servant activity, whether it's walking through the sanctuary and picking up some papers people left behind, or even just having an offering and deciding who to donate that to, or sending cards to a nursing home or something like that. Now, what about behavior? As with all kids, third graders enjoy consistency. They are very slowly wanting to be a little bit more independent. So you may see some growing attitude problems like a sharp tongue or a know-it-all attitude. They may be sensitive to criticism and they might question authority to test limits. Be prepared for that. Eight-year-olds also love riddles and rhymes and silly jokes and magic tricks and are curious about how things work. So you might use that to your advantage if things go awry. There's a poem I found called God's Alphabet Behavior Challenge by Angela Yardy. And it has a behavior for every letter of the alphabet, which you might find helpful. It also has some words like for the letter H, the words lot and reliant are used, and that can be tough for third grade, but you can easily write your own. For example, follow God's rules, be happy and true, and don't act like someone who lives in a zoo. Or don't be a grumpy bear when things don't seem fair. Above all, third graders enjoy humor in stories and in life. Enjoy their silliness, my friends. Enjoy their sense of humor laugh with them. And that brings me to our final question today, question four, which is teaching the faith to third graders. How should we do it? As we switch to Bible inquiry, we can teach students to become curious about the people in the Bible and its author. And that comes with questions. Third graders should be able to use a story to find answers to questions and that would be, you know, things about people, where they lived and the culture. Look a little deeper at the story and you could ask them a question. 
What does the story tell you about the people? Does it say what John the Baptist is wearing? What does that tell you about him? Let's look a little closer at things like that. Let them ask questions and have a resource where they can learn about them. Some things can be found in the Bible itself, like I said about John the Baptist. And kids can learn to let God's word tell them about God's people in that time period. Other resources for each classroom, and I suggest that every classroom have the Complete Bible Discovery Guide. You can find that at cphrconcordiapublishinghouse.org. It has some nice illustrations to go with the information, which is really important for kids. There are also Bible dictionaries for kids available, such as the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary for Kids, but... I haven't had a close look at it, and I think those should be, anything you find online should be pastor approved. Uh, I can also now recommend a resource for the teachers that I created this past year called the Bible News. They are one to two page summaries on each book of the Bible that contain information about the history, culture, and other important tidbits of information that help adults understand each book of the Bible. You know, there are some things in the Bible that it's just helpful to know, like things about what's going on in history at that moment, and also things about why is this okay and why is this not okay. Well, it has to do with the culture at the time, and it helps us. Also things like what is the deal with ancient Hebrew poetry, which can be quite a challenge to read. You know, little tidbits about stuff like that. I'm also starting to work on one for kids that I'm thinking about calling Hear Ye, Hear Ye, uh, but it may be a while before they're done as illustrations take some time. Anyway, I'm so off track. Third graders aren't great with maps yet, so I wouldn't worry about a student atlas. Let's take a moment and talk about Bible inquiry projects. It is really great for the kids to use the book resources to answer questions and learn about the culture of the Bible. Who are these people and how did they live? It's an adventure. It's a mystery about the people in the Bible. And uh, if I had the time, I would write a Bible inquiry curriculum. But right now, I just don't, even though I get so excited every time I think about it. In general, it's time for us to frame the Bible differently. We need to let the people in the Old and New Testaments have real emotions and let students see the humor in the Bible. Jesus was fully human and had emotions. We need to let those out. All third graders should have their own Bible at their reading level or close to it. Encourage parents to let their kids Read it to them at home. They can read to themselves, yes, but how much more fun for kids to read it to their parents. And they need the practice. Generally, they might omit words or get them out of order. And when they read by themselves, they just allow that to happen. But parents can stop them and say, wait a minute. And in class, don't force kids to read aloud. The ESV, if that's the book that you use since the big NIV changes, is a really good translation, but it has long sentences and a lot of commas. So remind them to pay attention to punctuation 
especially periods, as they read. Students should be able to retell stories, and they should be able to find central messages or the moral of the story and describe characters, traits, motivations, why do you think somebody did that, and start to be able to talk about feelings. How do you think David felt just before he went out to deal with Goliath? That's a huge thing for a kid, and he's just a kid, David is. How do you think he felt? And what do the words in the story tell you about how he felt? They should also be able to tell the story from their point of view or as a narrator, which might right there give you an idea of another strategy in teaching the Bible. Illustrations can be used to talk about people and culture as students can see what the people are wearing, what they're carrying, um, what they're eating, how buildings look. So you might be able to tell how they are built or what towns or cities look like and the differences between kings or, or people with money and regular people. And then they could also compare it to how we live today, which is very valuable for them to start doing. So I talked previously about a word wall. Write or print new words on large pieces of paper. You can use an eight and a half by 11 or a half sheet and put them in categories on the classroom wall. And I would use categories like regular words, places, and names. A regular word might be steadfast love. Well, what is steadfast? Or if somebody says that they are to search diligently, what, what does it what does diligently mean? Also, help them not be afraid of Bible words that they don't know, like names of people and places. Remind them that most adults don't know how to pronounce them either because we don't speak Hebrew or Greek. Have all the kids repeat the names after you. Do the best you can to figure out what the name is. And if you have time ahead, you can ask the pastor. But not all the pastors know Greek and Hebrew as well as they should, too, with regard to these names and places. So do the best that you can. Have the kids repeat them after you. Don't just have the reader repeat it. It just is too much attention on them. All the kids can learn the name of that city or that person. Oh, if you use arch books, which are kind of cool, you need to make sure that in third grade that you read them first to check their vocabulary. Because sometimes in order to get them to rhyme, some challenging words are used. Whew. Well, that is an awful lot. And I feel like I was just running off at the mouth. I was talking very fast. So what do you think about third grade? Next time, we'll move on to fourth graders in the knowledge stage. Things just continue to get more and more interesting as we let kids' curiosity about God's Word grow and we allow them to ask questions. Don't forget, if you don't know the answers, you can ask your pastor, you can look it up later, and if you've got a question or a curiosity you'd like to have answered by me, you can contact me and we'll talk about it here. Whatever it is, if you've got a question, I've most likely got an answer or I'll find one. You can submit questions using the form at carpentersministrytoolbox.com under the podcast tab. Find Carpenters Ministry Toolbox on Facebook or you can find me. 
And I've added a widget to the Anchor podcast page that'll let you leave a message. Give it a try. You can also find my books, The Art of Teaching the Faith, which this podcast is based on, The Art of Teaching Confirmation, and others on Amazon. I have a PDF leader's guide and a student workbook for The Art of Teaching Confirmation resources on my website. Now, friends, until next time, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Romans 12.12 Have a great day.